All right. That's good. All the tests worked out? All the tests worked out. Hey, Colin. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, do you drink coffee? I don't drink coffee. Oh, all right. If you were to drink coffee, I mean, like, have you, you've had it before. Um, I've had coffee-flavored things, but I've, I've never had coffee. Oh. All right. So then why, how do you know you don't like it? Um, the, from the coffee-flavored things. Mm-hmm. What's a coffee-flavored thing, though? Let's just be clear here. Like, like did you have a word that's original or something? Because <laughs> um, that's not coffee, just so you know. Right. Like, like coffee cake ice cream. and coffee-flavored okay. ice cream and what? coffee. Like, you coffee cake isn't coffee. Coffee cake is, like, what you eat with coffee. It's not, co- it's not no, 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 no. coffee. To be clear, there's, there's a coffee-flavored coffee cake. There might be, but it's anything coffee flavor is not like coffee ice cream isn't. It has a vague resemblance to what one would be dreaming about if they were having coffee, but it's nowhere. It's not even close. So, do you drink coffee? Yeah. Like yep, I every have, every every day, or three or four cups a day, or. No, no, I'm not. I'm not too crazy. I used to drink more. Um, I think partially laziness has made it so I don't have as much coffee, which is good. It's a good thing. Um, I have roughly eight to 10 ounces a day, um, in a single, uh, travel mug. And it's partially because, um, I used to make it when Kyle and I were in the same, in the same office in a co-working spot, we used to make coffee at three o'clock also. So we'd, we'd make coffee in the morning and then we'd also make coffee at three o'clock or so for everybody. And, um, and since I'm not in the coworking spot as often or, or in any coworking spot as often, um, I, I don't have any coffee in the afternoon. So I make, I make eight ounces in the morning. I, I use a pour over. I have a Kevex, which is a glass cylinder of sorts that you pour, uh, hot water over coffee grounds into, um, I do what's called a four-minute pour, so it essentially takes, it probably takes me, if I start the boiling water, it probably takes me 15 to 20 minutes to make the eight-ounce coffee that I have in the morning, so it's not something that happens quickly. I, You don't just hit a button and you get coffee, and you don't just hit a button and get, uh, you know, 30 ounces of coffee like some people have, like with a big coffee pot, so I think that keeps me, A, I have good coffee. Like I'm, I'm. Now, would you would you go? You know, assuming you had the time, would you mm-hmm. do like the full, the full roasting and and the whole setup? Because I know some people they you know they're in their you know yeah. post post acquisition. You know, they've they've bought the, <laughs> the full setup of you know they spend half their day making coffee. <laughs> yeah. No, I I probably would never get to that point. Um, I so as an example, when you're when you're um, why why I say that when you're making this Chemex coffee, a lot of people put the Chemex on a scale, and then they they add the coffee to a very particular weight, and then they add the right amount of water to a particular weight. Um, I've done all the math, and I know exactly how much grounds I should use for. 
the amount of water that I use and so forth. But I, but it's still, it's, it's an inexact science in my particular thing. Like I, I guarantee you I'm a few ounces off every morning and a few, you know, grams of coffee every morning, partially because when I go to Wegmans to get my coffee, since I don't even grind it myself, which I could, but I don't, um, uh, the grind is different at Wegmans than it is at the other grocery store that I go to. And so even that alone right there would change all the grams and everything. So I'm not like a, a, a purist by any means. Um, but I do know that I like the coffee that I make way better than, uh, using a Keurig or anything like, like, or, you know, it's, it is like 10,000 times better than a Keurig as far as if you like what coffee tastes like, you know? Um, but again, I'm not a purist. I don't need to crack my own. I don't need to roast my own. I don't need to um, to even grind my own, to be honest with you. Even though I, I could, I don't. Someday I think I might get a manual grinder, just because I think it's fun. And I think that, supposedly, um, because I grind it at the... When I grind it at the grocery store, it lasts me almost a week and a half. And I think that's a little bit long. But I can't buy less. Based on based on how they have it set up at the grocery store, I cannot buy less. So um, I buy quote unquote about ten dollars worth of coffee, and I can't buy any less. So that's where I'm at. Um, but I was wondering if you did because I thought maybe you would have like a, a preference on any of that kind of thing. So so um, if a, if a friend asks you to go to a coffee shop or something like that, what are you going to hit up a, a hot chocolate? Yeah, I usually get a hot chocolate, and I'd say I used to drink. Maybe four or, well, two to four cups of hot chocolate a day. And whoa, um, that's a lot. That is like, well, I mean, you're down on ice cream right now while we're talking. So I'm guessing that you just are, you're like my buddy. I hope DJ listens to this. My buddy, DJ Steen, who I used to work with at Biddler, he can I literally eat a whole, he eats a whole sweets. chocolate chicken. He, he, well, we would go to an Italian restaurant. We went to an Italian restaurant in Vegas. Now, just so you know. I think he eats normal food at some point, but I've never seen him eat normal food, I don't think. And I worked with him for five or six years, and I never see, saw him eat what would be called normal food. Never once. Um, that I can remember anyway, and DJ can you know tweet me and correct me if I'm wrong. But we went to a, a, a pretty upscale Italian restaurant in Vegas one time. We were at a conference together. We walk in. I get, you know, who knows what I get, Cacio Pepe or something. I don't know what I got. And he gets a, a full chocolate cake. Not a piece. A full, a full chocolate cake. cake. Wow. <laughs> so, and the dude weighs like 135 pounds. So, anyway. But he doesn't drink or smoke or do anything like that, so he eats sweets. So, that's his thing. Wow. So, now we're off the topic. Okay. Um, so, we have... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just say, um, I've seen the past year, I've really kind of... past five years, I've been focusing on my health more. But in the past few years, I've been more successful on it. I see as I'm eating a bowl of ice cream. Um, <laughs> I've been been more successful on it. You know, part of that is like now it's just an occasional cup of chocolate. So like, let's say last month I probably had like ten for the whole month, mm. which is like a whole lot less than than I. Would I've had ten hot, years. I've had ten hot chocolates in the last like ten years. I think like. <laughs> It's astounding. Like, I have hot chocolate. So this is what I'll have hot chocolate. I probably have some in the house. I don't even know. But I will have hot chocolate if when I go to open my door, 
the the snow won't allow me to open the door. That's that's when I, I if I push on the door and it doesn't move because there's snow on the other side of it, I go right back inside and make hot chocolate. That's the only time that I have hot chocolate. <laughs> okay, we have four topics this week. Topic number one is that Apple can lose the Mac and survive. We've been talking around this topic for three or four episodes of our little uh, audio ex- you know, adventures here, and um, we talked about how we don't think that Apple cares about the pro market. We talked about how Apple doesn't seem to care about the Mac in general. And uh, it seems that the, that the, the you know the blogosphere has rolled around to the conversation of whether or not the Mac even needs to be around. And uh, I tweeted about the fact that I said uh, none of my uh, criticism of Apple's and comparing them specifically to Microsoft's you know push into the Surface realm, um, none of my criticism has been directed at the fact that I thought that if if the Mac you know, literally vanished off the face of the earth that Apple would, um, uh, you know, go out of business or something. Um, I do believe that, that something needs to fill that space for a particular subset of users. And mostly that would be developers and it would be mostly iOS developers. So I'm a developer, but I am not an iOS developer. Apple probably, it seems, at this point, could care less whether I use their Mac. They do want me to use their phone and their iP- and their tablets, it seems like. But for iOS users or developers in general, someone that literally makes the applications that sit on your tablets and your phones, if they were to, you know, at WWDC this next year, in about eight months, I guess that it would be, June next year, if they release Xcode for the iPad Pro, um, then they would solve that problem. Uh, all the, the, the people kicking and screaming, uh, the, the, the Mac faithful, the guys that are 35 and 40 and 45 and 55 that write iOS software, which is a lot of them, um, they would go kicking and screaming to iPad Pro probably, but the rest of the people that are starting on iPad with Swift Playgrounds and all these things that are available for people, some people are learning how to program on an on a iOS a, uh, app um, I would say wouldn't even care. They'd be like, okay, I don't have to buy a Mac now. Um, so if they give you a way to develop an iOS application on a tablet like the iPad Pro, then the Mac could literally disappear, and it would mean very little to the bottom line of, of Apple. And to be honest with you, uh, their headspace would be able to be free, clear up maybe to even innovate a little bit more on the tablet side. So, the, the yeah, the Mac could definitely go away, but I don't I don't think it will until developers have an alternative. Yeah, I, I don't think that Apple will kill their their laptop, their Mac, and any of those lines. Um, you know, the same same way. I don't think that BlackBerry will kill their hardware line. It'll just be a very very small slice of the pie, and I, I think it'll it'll be like Apple's um, Mac Pro. You know, their their desktop line that's kind of ignored for every mm-hmm. every four to five. I have no idea, you know, the the time between iterations is so long that it's like, like, they're clearly not paying attention to that, that market. And, yeah. Um, and a few people are calling for the fact that the Mac Pro may never be updated. And I, I feel like it will probably get to that um, in, you know, they'll, they'll just leave, you know, it'll be like, okay, like, as far as I understand, there's, there's not going to be any more MacBook Airs. 
There's not going to be, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like those product lines, unless they have like a champion at Apple, somebody pushing and saying, hey, we need to update. I, I want a new Mac laptop that has, you know, this or that, you know, they, they may just continue to get, oh, new processors, new RAM, new processors, a little bit more RAM. Like, there, there won't, you know, like, how, how much thinner can they make them? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I mean, I, th- I think that there are still people at Apple that care about, like, Mac hardware and Mac, like, Apple computer. There's still people left over from the Apple computer days, but I feel like the people there that care about are... are are not the majority and are not the people leading the way right now. And so, um, I I don't know. I I would love to see like some of the hardware people that, you know, like go make up a, you know, a Mac version of Dell and just execute really, really well on hardware. Well, that's, I mean, one could say that the Surface, given a few more years, could get to the point where, well, so I went to Best Buy, like we said on the last episode, I think it was the night before we recorded, I went to, I went to Best Buy, and I used the Surface book that had come out prior to the latest one, so I have not seen the latest one yet, but the the form factor has not changed. Um, As far as I know, the hardware itself, um, the, the, the innards have, but... Who, I, I'd have to see if like the hinge changed or anything like that. I don't think it has, but um, I would I would put it up against Apple's some of some of Apple's products, not all of them, but on but it's it's very close. So so one could argue that the Surface is the high end Windows hardware. Yeah, I mean, and I I think Microsoft because all of the other people weren't really comp- competing on that. Yeah, um, Microsoft had to step up. Um, yeah. Well, I when I was at Best Buy, the, there was nothing nicer there, and they had a, they had, without any exaggeration, they had at least thirty laptops models, thirty laptop models. Like, and you know, Apple had two, <laughs> but they had thirty laptop models there, and by far and away, Microsofts were the nicest built when you picked them up and how they felt. If if they didn't even turn on, they felt nicer. Yeah, they they absolutely nailed the build quality and mm-hmm. um, they hit the the little button that that you hit to to disconnect the surface and stuff. Um, it sounds like such a simple thing to get right. You're like, well, what's like if if you're a person that has never like I've never made a laptop, obviously, but um, if you're the type of person that 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 thinks about these sort of things when you're holding an object and how well it's made. Like, okay, I have my coffee. You can drink coffee out of any coffee mug, but you can also drink coffee out of a coffee mug that you look at where somebody really took the time to get it perfect. Um, so when you pick up your laptop, if it matters to you the way it feels or it doesn't feel like it's going to fall apart or when you push on it, it doesn't bend anywhere. Or, you know, I know people that pick up their laptop from the screen like literally from the screen, which you know, yeah, I see your face, and I know that. Like it, it, for us, for us, it blows our mind. But um, I think the person that I remember doing it the most was someone that had a IBM ThinkPad, and they are fairly well built. Um, and you know, after a meeting, just grabs it one handed by the screen and walks away, and, I, and I'm like, Whoa! 
that? Like, I mean, I was freaking out every time I saw it. It wasn't even my laptop. Um, but that just shows you the build quality. And, and so surfaces, when you open the hinge or, um, when you unlock the screen and pull it off and then, and then you have to go put it back on again, that whole thing means so much, you know, um, to, to the overall experience of the product, especially over time. You want that build quality to be, to be high because if you do it 300,000 times in five years, you know, uh, you want it to, to work well. Like you think about, if I was just going to work every day, I probably would open and close my laptop two or three times during the day for a meeting, for this, for that. You know, you times that by five years every single day, that's, you know, a few thousand times open and closing. What What is that hinge going to be like then? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's All those build quality questions, like when you go to buy a laptop, I know a lot of people aren't consciously thinking of that, but that's mm-hmm. like when you go in and you pick up, um, I, I don't want to say Asus because I feel like the last one that I looked at it was actually pretty good. But there's there's a, there's a lot of manufacturers that yeah. they they feel like plasticky, super light, like it's mm-hmm. going to be destroyed if you open it too hard. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so get, getting that right is important. Um, yep. here's one thing. And app. And Apple has that. So if the Mac goes away, there is, uh, you know, the high-end notebook market. Uh, you know, there's only going to be one left, really. If, if you absolutely think, for some reason, that you can't work on a mobile platform like iOS, because that's the other thing, too. That whole decision to say all of our products run Windows 10 and Apple's saying we have two different operating systems. If they were to get rid of the Mac, they'd be getting rid of an operating system. So, um the, the differences aren't subtle when it comes to uh, Mac OS and iOS. So, but with with Windows, you can buy any kind of form factor you want and run the same software. What if Apple decided to make a subsidiary, Apple Computer, and and spin it out and run it independently? Does um, that sound like anything Apple would ever do in a million years? Like, I, I feel like you know maybe maybe Johnny Ives retires and uh, <laughs> and and they're like okay well none of us here really care about Mac and then mm-hmm. I feel like maybe there'd still be some people left and be, they'd be like uh so uh, could we uh, have a few billion dollars and spin out spin out and make become Apple Computer again and you know just have that exclusive license for the you know OS ten and. Um, and, and be the the official hardware partner for for Apple as far as computers go. And then well, let me Apple put it this way: I would say, don't in. hold your breath for something <laughs> like that. I think if Johnny Ive retires, he will. If if it was his doing that the car project even started, and you know, there's a pretty good chance that the car project did start with him because he collects Aston Martins and who knows what else. Um, that if he were to leave Apple, which is inevitable, it's going to happen, um, the stock will fall, and he would, if he's going to do anything, I would, on his own, like if it was a, something that he doesn't just, you know, randomly design something for a charity, which he's done, you know, tons of times, um, I would say that he would probably design a car somewhere. But I don't think he's going to design a Mac again. I think if you look at what he's done to the, the, the MacBook in 10 years, 
he was done 10 years ago. Yes, they've made it thinner. Yes, they've made it lighter. Yes, they've, you know, uh, definitely shaved off some some things, uh, you know, as far as ports and whatnot goes. But <laughs> but not, but it, it, it I mean, my, my, Mac, my MacBook has looked the same since I bought it. Um, since I bought my very first notebook from them many moons ago. So he was done designing the iPhone and he was done designing the, the, the MacBook 10 years ago. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I feel like I, I don't know. I might I haven't haven't seen anything from him saying like, "Oh, I'm bored." But I don't know. I feel like being in that position, <clears throat> maybe, yeah. maybe he is working on some really really cool stuff behind the scenes. Um, well, he does. New, like every new, year, there's new little products. Well, no, I mean, I mean, like, like for example, like the you know Apple Car project, or you know what oh. what other you know R and D stuff that they've. You know, here's the thing. Up. You know they spent. A, they, they, you can back into the math looking at their thing that they spent a few billion on on this car project. Regardless, a thousand people, you know, all over it. Um, even if it never sees the light of day, whatever they came up with, the, the nineteen thousand ideas that they had, he was still having fun doing them. That's the other thing too is that people, you know, releasing a product is is immensely gratifying and and you know, probably a fair percentage of the fun of, uh, especially if it's well-received. Um, but the work, if you're in this kind of stuff, if you do this kind of stuff that these guys do, the work is the fun part. And yeah. so, yeah, he got to spend a couple billion dollars on designing a car, and I'm sure he was integral in it. And so regardless if it ever shows the light of day, for the last few years, he's been he's been literally in, he's been the Monopoly guy. You know what I mean? Like, imagine spending billions and having a thousand smart people working with you, like they did hire. I, I think the, the 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 Apple Car Group was somewhere around a little over a thousand people. So they actually uh, they hired the QMX guy, the uh, yeah BlackBerry guy, right? Well, BlackBerry bought QMX, and then yeah, and then uh, this guy run QMX for like twenty years, and it was like his baby, and then yeah. he he left. You know, after you know his, I would guess that would have something to do with shares. The, he went directly to Apple, so yeah. But I would guess it have something to do with the speed at which the software would have to work, right? Yeah, and I'd say like, like QNX is like everywhere in terms of like embedded technology and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, I, I feel like, I mean, I guess the other play in terms of like where he would fit in would be, um, you know, in that car group. Doing, um, well, not, well, not also in the car group, but also in the like transitioning away from OS X, and mm-hmm. basically having everything run on iOS. Yeah, because if I if I look at the people that I know, getting back on topic for this the <laughs> Apple losing the Mac is if I look at everybody that I know, um, outside of professional, right, friends, family, whatever. There's probably many of which have had a, a Macintosh over the years, many of which that Macintosh is now sitting in a closet and they use their iPad or iPhone primarily, uh, my wife included, right? So uh, has a, I think we already sold the MacBook, even though barely used, barely used MacBook, sold it, uh, used the iPad instead. So... If I look at just those kind of people, 
if the Mac disappeared tomorrow, they wouldn't even remember, they wouldn't even realize it. So I think us developers, all of which who have blogs that have been yelling about it, myself included, um, it really wouldn't make a difference to Apple if the Mac disappeared. So long as the developers that use, you know, these Macs to make uh, yeah, iOS applications. It's the main hole in their argument, in, in the argument for yep. getting, getting rid of these iOS. Yep. Yep. So we'll see what happens. Um, I would be, I would be... I'd be totally okay with the Mac disappearing if if iOS uh, continued to improve. But I I also feel like iOS is like the longest way around to get to having what we would call Mac OS on a mobile device. Like everybody keeps saying, well the iPad could have more and more pro features and they're calling for particular ones on Twitter. If you follow along with these different people and um, yeah, the, you know, iOS could have more, like we just got split screens. You can have two apps up at a time. We, we recently got, you know, uh, a, a little bit better keyboard shortcuts and a few other things. Um, those things are good, but, but what is the, what is the feature that's the tipping point that just makes it pretty much Mac OS without a file system? is what it comes down to. It's, it's coming down to where every app is sandboxed and there is no file system. Every app is only, can only access the camera roll by permission um, and iCloud by permission. And the, it, it has its own area to store files and that's it. So it's like Mac OS. If you could only have two apps open and it had no file system. Um, or a, a, just, a hidden file system. Yeah, it's not that there's no file system. Obviously, iOS has files on it, but it's um, they call it sandboxing, I believe, right. if, yeah. if I have that right. And it's it's pretty much, you know, when you open the Twitter application, it can only access the things that it has asked you to have access to, and that's it. And another application can't share that without, you know, particular things going on. So, um, Unless you're Apple. <laughs> yeah, Apple can pretty much do whatever it wants, but... Even then, when you, when you start up your when you start up your uh, iPhone for the very first time, they do ask for permission through a long series of questions. It gets longer every time I get a phone. I, I remember, you know, you get the, I got. Let's see, I went from original iPhone to iPhone four to iPhone five to iPhone six S to iPhone SE, and. Every single time, you know, you buy a new phone, you have to do that little dance where you have to set it up. Um, and every time it's gotten longer, like now it's like, what's your, like 15 passwords and agreeing to sell your soul. And like, it's insane how many different questions. I mean, I get it. They have to ask, but it's crazy. Touch ID, Apple Pay, like, oof, it's crazy. Um, so yeah, who knows? We'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited to see where things go. I'm just, I'm the old man in this scenario. You know, I'm this, I'm the guy that wishes that we can, which is impossible. I'm the guy that wishes we could have everything the way that it was, but while still getting progress and that just doesn't happen. So you just have to embrace change as it comes. So RSS feeds, that's our next topic. Do you have them? I do have them. (laughs) I have too many of them. Um, 
Yeah. And I, I need to start reading regularly. And I need to start using Feedly. Because I signed up. But I, I just I have everything in the old reader. Theoldreader.com. And it's basically... That, that still works? Yeah. That's pretty sweet. I, I imported your um, OPML file. Mm-hmm. And so... I don't know. I, I need to. I don't, see, I need to I don't start. see why you have to. Why do you have to go to Feedly if this works? Well, I mean, this works. I just don't read it. And so I figure if like Feedly is going to encourage me to to read more, or I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, or maybe I just need to like make like a weekly oh check my feeds kind of thing. I feel like if I got my mail, like I checked my feeds, I would have a mailbox full of junk mail. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and maybe some awesome, cool stuff, like you won the lottery, or like, here's a here's a letter from your mother, or... <laughs> so, I don't know, I, I know I should, and I want to read more often mm-hmm. um, what, what people are publishing, but um, it's, it's on my to-do list, and, and I'm trying to, like, organize my schedule so that it actually happens. It's kind of like... So with RSS feeds, if, if anybody has ever gotten into them and then they, they kind of fall out of the habit, um, which I have been into RSS feeds since, well, obviously since this spec was completed, but um, I don't know if that's obvious or not, but I said, I think I had mentioned that in a previous audio bit. That we had. Like, uh, like since RSS feed burner, feed burner, since feed burner, <laughs> well, feed burner definitely post dates RSS, but um, anyway, uh, I've never, so for whatever reason, maybe I'm just geared slightly different than others, but I've never fallen out of the habit of, of keeping up with my RSS feed. So I'm not the kind of person that needs to be like, holy cow, I've got 2000 in here and I don't know what to do with them. I'm not that person, but I will say that, that one way to get out of that, that hole, if you find yourself in that hole is just like your email inbox and you unsubscribe from newsletters and things to keep that sort of curated, you have to curate that list of, you have to do it. You have to say, and this is how I do it. Um, every few weeks, um, I will, it used to be that the old, some of the old, um, some of the old RSS feed, feed readers that I used to use would show you the feeds that you do not read. Like, in other words, which one do you just skip over and not read it? And that is a very helpful little piece of data because if you don't read it for, like, seven weeks in a row, you just get rid of it. Um, so you have to kind of be honest with yourself. So you look through your subscriptions, and you're like, man, you know, I've subscribed to Colin's blog, but I haven't, you know, I see his posts, I see the, the headline come up, but I just skip them all the time. I don't read them anymore, so I need to unsubscribe. And that's... That's what you should do because that's the the only way that you'll keep up with it. You can't just have a thousand things in there and think you're going to keep up with a thousand things. You have to get rid of stuff. So either start fresh and only add things that you know you're going to re- like. I want to read every single thing that Jeremy Keith you know publishes. Then put them in there. You know. That's good. I think that's a solid strategy for starting out. Um, since I'm, I'm starting out with, you know, I just refreshed for the first time in like a week and a half and, uh, hey, look, 
2,253 items. Well, okay, yeah, I know I'm not going to read all of those, and I know some of these I need to unsubscribe, and so then I just get what I actually am going to read. Yeah. So, um, so maybe for next week, a little bit of follow-up will be, where have you settled with uh, the number of subscriptions that you have? Yeah, I'm going to say, like, part of the problem is that, I want to say maybe 10 years ago, when I started building this, <laughs> this uh, subscription list, is a lot of people were very, very active bloggers. And mm-hmm. then they transitioned into being the type of blogger that wrote once a month. And so yeah. I would stay subscribed because what they were writing is very, very relevant or like very well written or, you know, whatever it is. And then some people, you know, people that just stop blogging, I just unsubscribe. But then yeah. there's, there's people who, you know, they're continuing to write. Um, and they, they write a lot, but it's not very often and it's not on a regular schedule and I'm kind of guilty of this myself, <laughs> but, um, but I, I want to stay subscribed because, you know, the, whether they're, you know, one of the top people in the in- industry or they just have a very, very interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the struggle I have with like, okay, this, you know, like Jason Santa Maria. Um, hasn't, hasn't blogged since February 13th. Of what year? I'm surprised if Jason blogged this year, did he? Yeah, I, th- I think this was this year. Oh, no, 2015. Yeah. 2015. <laughs> he didn't blog this year. I knew he didn't blog this year. But but what's nice about that is that you can just leave that in there because you know it's not going to affect your count. Yeah. So if he, for some reason, does... Uh, publish a blog post, which would probably mean that he quit Slate and now he's going to go somewhere else. <laughs> uh, uh, dig on you, Jason. I, he knows that I I can dig on him, but just just the fact that you know, uh, you know, he's not going to flood your inbox one of these days. You know, um, so you can leave those guys in there. That's one of the things is a lot of the people that were chasing page views and chasing. The uh, the CPM money, um, and are some people still are. They mm-hmm. were posting maybe like ten to a hundred things a day, and so that like that obviously like floods your RSS reader, yep. and just like somebody throwing a whole New York Times Sunday edition at you every single day, and that's yep. not sustainable. I think that's one of the reasons. It's not the reason, but it's one of the reasons why I do my um, my link post once per week rather than uh, posting each of those as a separate link. I am I am still going. I've decided that I'm still going to post links now and then, which means that I'm going to publish a blog post, which the primary purpose of it is to link you to somewhere else. I am still going to do that, but only for things that like are worthy of them standing on their own. Um, like a seminal piece from someone or something like that. But um, uh, I think that's why I've decided to do that. Uh, unlike, you know, the Waxies and the Kotkies and the Jeremy Keiths and the Daring Fireballs is, is that I don't, I don't want to publish 10 times a day um, links uh, because I don't want to flood people's. I think that's one reason. It's not the reason, but it's one reason. Um, um, so one site that I, I read on occasion, um, mm-hmm. that 
I'm going to have to, you know, figure out how to get an RSS feed. Maybe there already is, but um, it's the Woodpile Report, and it it it's a little political. But um, one of the things that I <laughs> it's a great name very very much enjoy is is that each you know he's on dude each, this website issue 450. I know, I know. This website is so great. It's like uh, he goes into it, and it's it's a very long form, but like article. Um, or link after link after link with his commentary about the individual links. All you know, this is this is like a an old school zine, all in one column. Um, but then you know, individual sections with sets of links. So it's like, kind of like if I was subscribed to the RSS, this would be like fantastic for me because it's like this is like it is like a Sunday edition newspaper all in one page. The um, word is zine, by the way. Zine. zine. Oh, like there. magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, Danny reads too much on the internet and doesn't say things out loud. <laughs> Dude, I love the left column. The left column on this website. Like, it's... So for those of you that... We, we may actually have a link in this post. Like, we don't usually have a link, you know? By the way, just so everybody knows, um, and I don't even think we've we've said this aloud to each other, but we... This is us kind of practicing if we were ever to do a proper podcast. I have an audio bit section on my site that just allows me a way to get audio out, plain and simple. I don't care if it was birds chirping, you know, or me and Danny talking. They On, on my site, they're on the same level. And we are slowly getting better at, at talking to one another, at creating outlines, but every every single time we've had an outline, we could have had links and, you know, all this stuff. So maybe one of these times we will, we will have a proper, you know, uh, what would you call it? Show notes. We will have yeah. proper show notes with yeah. like links and everything. Maybe we will, because we, it's not like we don't have them. We have, we, we share an outline back and forth together. Um, and, I think that maybe we'll have something like that, but 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 for those so for those of you that are listening to this still, which by the way there are people that listen to this, and my stats show that definitely people are visiting these blog posts, so we appreciate you listening. But um, the Woodpile Report, which I've not read any of the words on here, so I can't speak to whatever so, this is Dan, Danny's fault if you see anything you don't like. But the left column is like the privacy policy, policy set in like an eight point Verdana font. Um, and then there is like description of how to disable cookies. Uh, so just like, here's, here's an example, like in that in that policy, um, it says this is third paragraph. The Woodpile Report is from the Hermetic School of Websites. There's no advertising, <laughs> no partnerships, logins, pop-ups, subscriptions, print version, discus, feedback section, tip jar, or shop. There's no trackers, cookies, LSOs, analytics, or widgets. Posted links are cleansed of superfluous identifiers like this is this is the, like the point of view of of the the author um and i'm gonna say like my favorite part of this you know aside from like getting links and things that i don't wouldn't normally see um is usually you know interspersed within this whole report are these uh like photos from the 1930s or 1940s or 1950s or earlier and um for example, there's is there this, any permalinks on this thing? There's this. Uh, there's this one. It's 1936. 
Iowa. And it's, you know, his little description says, a peanuts and popcorn wagon appears unoccupied without equipment. It, you know, it goes on describing, you know, what's in this photo. And it's just like, you know, a photo from the, from 1936. Um, you know, and it's kind of interesting, like little tidbits there. You, so there's no RSS feed though. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing. If you, if you look at the like the numbers on the t- on the top, it says like which which report yeah. is. He's on number four forty nine. You can kind of see like the format. So I might be able to like build one out of if this and that. Yeah. Wild. This is wild. I'll, I have to dig. I'll dig into this more. Yeah, it's it's definitely on that Sunday news edition or Sunday yeah. newspaper edition where there's a ton of stuff there. And, you know, you might may or may not agree with any of it, but I think it's fascinating in terms of a website. So, so the, the, <laughs> the HTML is even better than the website. If you look at the HTML of the website, there is a JavaScript that has CSS in it that's commented out. All the JavaScript is commented out pretty much. <laughs> but look, look at, so there is no JavaScript. There's CSS in a JavaScript tag that's commented out. I mean, it's just about as genius as you'll ever get. Um, but if you if you look at the background image source for the body and where it is, it's like in the HP administrator document folder. <laughs> I mean, and he may very well be like running this on his own like private server. No, this is this or... is a joke. This is a joke. This yeah. has to be a joke. This, this, the, the view source on his own website is a joke. Um, but it also shows you how versatile some of this crappy code is. Like he may use like front page to make this or Dreamweaver or something. Oh, that probably just, true. just as a joke, but like it works too, which is insane. So, anyway, wow. uh, <laughs> yeah. In, t- in terms of going back to your your question here about about feeds i think it should be full feeds absolutely oh yeah we're talking about so just so people know on a on an rsfs feed in well i see i don't even know where this started to be honest with you i think it's i think it's it's a it's probably the fault of one of the major cmss i know that wordpress has this option but i don't know that they had it first or anything but you can choose to allow the RSS feed to have the full content of the post. Like if you subscribe to my website and I write this long post about hiking uh, or whatever, you will get the whole thing, the title, all of the content, all of the images, everything. You don't have to come to my site to read the site. Um, whereas others uh, will only have the excerpt of the post. Um, and I prefer having the full content in there so that people can read it on the like because I don't care if they come to my site. I'm not, I don't want to force them to come to my site. So that's what we're talking about right now. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I just think that if you're going to provide a feed, and I think you should, I think you should provide a full feed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're going to, you know, publish content. In some form, I think it's fine to include advertisements within um, mm. within your within your feed or or you know whatever have you. But let me read how I want to read it, and let me read it in full rather than you know 
having to click to your website and yeah. like you're letting you're letting me download at the very least just the text already. Some of the text. So just let me let me read it in text format because you know I want to read it in text format. Like if if your goal is to notify me that there's a new post, yeah, s- you know, send an email or you know have a Twitter, <laughs> have a Twitter feed that's saying, hey, here's a link to the post. I, I think RSS should be a full feed, a full content feed, not a. Yeah. Um, You know, I, I don't think RSS should be a um, like a, a newswire service that says breaking news. Here's the story. Yeah, you know, go go pick up go pick up uh, go pick up a newspaper for the full story. It certainly could be used for that. I'm saying that if I'm subscribed to somebody's blog, I prefer to have the full thing in there and read it in my feed reader. And I will say that nine times out of ten, besides Daring Fireball, because he hasn't updated his website in a long time, which I hear is coming soon, a responsive, you know, Daring Fireball with nice fonts and a readable font is coming soon, but I can't read his website uh, on its own. So I subscribe to his website, and it looks nicer and feedly than it does on his website. Um, he still uses 8-point Verdana or 9-point Verdana or something like that. Um, but... Uh, most people, I go to their website to read the blog post if it's longer than like two or three paragraphs. So if I see, if I start reading the top or two, three paragraphs, I end up going to it anyway. But I do prefer. But there are some use cases for sure that you could use RSS to even just syndicate the title. You might just syndicate a title because there's a use for that. Like if you want to build a list of, like let's say you wanted to build a uh, a dashboard or a portal of sorts where there was lots of information to view. Um, you can imagine, you know, that Google homepage thing called iGoogle back in the day or Yahoo's homepage where you could say, you know, I want my sports over here and my uh, my financial news over on this side. And when you clicked, it didn't it didn't show you the that post. It just went to that website. Um, that's generally still all powered by RSS, by the way. But that only in that case, the headline and the link to it is needed enough to get somebody to go click there. So there are 100% uses for this. I'm saying for my personal preference, if I'm subscribed to a website, I would like to have the full the full post there. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, the technology, absolutely. I think it can be used, I mean, and is and should be used in many different forms. But in terms of, like, subscribing to websites and reading in this context that we're talking about, absolutely full feed. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Jeremy Keith's RSS link. So there's, I had written this down just to point it out. Um, I don't know if Jeremy listens to, I don't think he listens to this, but if he does listen to this particular episode, um, the, he does a thing called, what is now called DF for Daring Fireball style links. And what that is, is where when you click on the headline, you don't go to his website. You go to the site that he's talking about. So if you're subscribed to Daring Fireball, the vast majority of Daring Fireball's posts are links to other websites with commentary from John Gruber um, regarding um, the whatever whatever topic he's talking about. So 
when you click through and you say, okay, I agree with John or disagree with John, let me go read the rest of the piece, he may quote a little piece, it goes directly to that website. That's what's called DF-style links. You probably have seen it on Waxy, you've seen it on a few others. Um, but there was no way, like, so So John Gruber, the guy that runs Daring Fireball, he puts a star, I think, on the bottom of those kinds of posts in the RSS feed only, so that when you are looking at it on the RSS feed, if for some reason you want to link to John's site or go to John's site, you click on that star and it goes right to his URL, not the 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 site that he's talking about. Right. So there's no moving the permalink. Right. So the, the the permalink is now on the for links only. The permalink is on the star and not on the headline like it's typical. So it's a little bit of a you know there's WordPress plugins that do this for WordPress so that if you do this it, it would work that way. Um, Jeremy Keith did not have that, so there was no way for me to link to Jeremy easily without like literally going to his website, adactio.com, and finding the link post that I was trying to find and then you know putting that into my, my content management system. So I tweeted him the other day and said, could you please add a link to your links post? And now he has. So that's why I wanted to say thank you to Jeremy for putting that in there. And I think that anybody, if you're listening to this uh, – and, and have your own blog. If you're doing those DF style links, add a little, you know, some people do the pound sign, some people do some kind of emoji or something, um, but you could just add a little something to the bottom of the post on the RSS feeds, you know, in general, to link back to your site. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go subscribe to Daring Fireball or to Jeremy Keith's website now and you'll see the difference. Speaking of RSS and like using it just for like the excerpts and stuff, here's a, just take a look at this URL while we're here i i started to put together a scraper for our local newspaper so essentially what you're looking at is um because they don't have rss feeds it literally scrapes everything on that site and then puts them in these little boxes this boxes are scrollable so you have like a business box or whatever. but if you click on the link it will actually load that article uh, kind of. It doesn't work as well be- right now because I think they may have changed how their HTML works. Whenever you build a scraper, oh, you're destined to fail pretty quick because the, the scraper is going to... If their HTML changes even just one iota, then your scraper yeah. breaks. But but you get the point. It's a lot more readable on that website than it is on theirs, believe me. Um, so we used to use that at Colwork, at our old co-working spot. Everybody used to just have this as their homepage so they could keep up with the local news um, but never pay for a paywall and uh, and be able to actually read it. So it was pretty cool. Um, okay, so then I had this other one little thing with Feedly, but I'm just going to leave it out of this. It was just a bug that I keep keep asking for them to fix, and they have not fixed um, with automatically embedding images on. So, so as an example, if Jeremy, I'll talk about it. Why not, Jeremy Keith? If he links to a YouTube video and says, hey, this is a cool YouTube video, um, Feedly automatically throws the YouTube video in the, in the quote-unquote content of the post. It doesn't do it every time. It's a little bit hit or miss. But generally, if you've ever been on Twitter and you see somebody link to something and it has like a little image next to it, like says, like, oh, go look at this thing, um, that's that's uh, done by Twitter. They didn't do that. Uh 
Feedly's doing something very similar, and I wanted to be able to turn it off, and I've been asking him for probably three months. I'm a paying customer. I've been asking him for three months. Can I just please take turn it off? Just I, I don't care that you have it if other people like it, but I would just like somebody to turn it off. Be nice. Yeah, but you, you, you don't know that yet what, until you get in there and start mucking about <laughs> with it. Um, okay, so topic number three is about... Uh, which is, you know, right on par with Apple and RSS feeds, you know, is shopping for clothes. It seems like a natural progression in this conversation. Um, I see you're, you're wearing a nice little, looks like a little cardigan there or something. I'm not sure exactly what you've got going on. I mean, you have a, first of all, you have a collared shirt on. I mean, you're, you're definitely, you're Sunday right out here. Yeah, I I, yeah. Uh, I have 11 o'clock church, and uh, I got home. I took somebody home so I Took a little bit longer, so I had a bowl of ice cream for for lunch, and, <laughs> and here I am. So, but I don't know. Clothes has been kind of like a I don't want to say like that. I don't like shopping for clothes. I actually do like shopping for clothes, but there's there are a lot of challenges in it, and the more that. Um, like the more that when I try to like find something that that fits that works for me, like the more I realize like okay, the best solution is the most expensive solution, and it'd be fantastic if somebody like put some sort of technology solution to this. Mm-hmm. And so like obviously the the best solution is to have stuff custom made for you that fits right. for your for your measurements and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's a suit or T-shirts or pants or, you know, whatever whatever you're wearing, yeah. the, the best solution to look the best for the best fitting clothes is to have it custom made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one step down is to get something close and then have it tailored. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somewhere way down at the bottom is, is like shopping at Walmart and getting something that doesn't fit and... <laughs> doesn't work for you um but it's clothes and you're like okay well i you know i I live in a society that requires clothes so i'm gonna buy some clothes today Uh, could you imagine if you were like you know prince danny and you had literally everything everything was 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 custom made for you like you you've never had a piece of clothing off the shelf in your entire life and your jeans were made specifically for your legs like that would be insane yeah, I mean, I, I think at some point what people do is, like, you know, they want to have everything custom-made for themselves, so they have their own line of clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I do, so just to talk about fit and all that stuff, is I, well, the, the reason why this topic's even out here is because I went clothes shopping yesterday, but I hate clothes shopping. Like, I really do. What are the pain points for you in terms of, like, the shopping part? Or like the the entire experience, like why is it so bad? Um, for me personally, it's because let's say let's say I've devoted this is just an arbitrary off the top of my head number, but let's say I I chose I'm gonna I'm gonna go spend a hundred dollars on clothes today or whatever. If I choose to go spend a hundred dollars on clothes, and maybe even I have in mind kind of what I need, like oh I need to go get a new pair of jeans or something. Um, I wish somebody just told me what to buy right like hey this this is what would look good 
or this is what would last the longest or whatever. So as an example, the, the experience I really do enjoy, and I don't do it too often, but I have a number of suits and a few of them are custom, uh, not custom made as in like every stitch was done for me, but that I went to a store where they tailor for you. And, um, you know, you go inside and, and there's a nice person there that, that like says, Hey, what are you here for? First thing comes, like, I just walk through the door and they say, what are you here for? Well, I need, you know, I would like to pick up three suits and, um, in those three suits, I'd like to leave here with at least, um, like 10 or 15 different setups. So in those three or four suits, you know, I might want to buy 10 ties and six shirts and whatever, 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 something like that. You kind of walk in and say, I want to leave here with all kinds of options. Well, that person will, first of all, go get you measured. Everything's measured. Figure everything out. Um, which by the way, you can do this for free at almost any store, uh, that, that does that. Like even JC Penney has a person there with like a, uh, a measuring tape, go do that. And then just write it down in your phone so that everywhere you go, when you're shopping for shirts and the, the stuff is on the, the bin, you could just look, at least get a close because you don't have to go try it on. You just look, Oh, I'm like, as for me, I, you know, I'm a 16 neck and I'm a whatever arm I have it written in my phone and I can just go get it. Um, but so for me, the pain point is like, I wish everything was like that suit experience. I went, got measured and then pulled out a few suits. Like, Hey, what's your price point? Okay. I'll spend $600 on a suit. They go get a suit, bring it over to you. Okay. These, these are the materials and different things. Okay. That's the one I want. Now someone literally goes, here's five shirts and five ties. Like they literally bring them over and throw them on the table. I like that one. Don't like that one. What about this with that? Bing, bing, bing. I'm done. I'm out the door. And I was done. You know, what would take me hours to, because I, first of all, I don't know the inventory. I don't know what's in the store. Two, I am not 100% the perfect person to choose. Uh, if I buy a pinkish shirt, which tie should I get with that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. So it'd be like uh, the equivalent of like the average computer user going into Best Buy and saying, all right, I want a Windows laptop. I have, I have $800 and I want a Windows laptop. And I, even, even further than that. I have $800. I know I want a Windows laptop. Um, I do email. I take a lot of photos. And I watch YouTube. Here you go. Here's here's at least just three choices. Instead of 30, here's three. So when I walk into a, a clothing store, and yesterday I wasn't shopping for any one particular thing. It wasn't like I had to go because I had a rip in my jeans. I had to go just get one pair of jeans and replace them or something. Um I went and said, I, I want to buy some clothes for the winter. And so I was like, where do I even start? You know, and what goes with what? And blah, 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 blah. Like, uh, so I'm walking around in these departments just trying to piece together something. I almost, so to be honest with you, I'm envious of the mannequins in these places. Because I, I definitely don't like what all of them look like. But if I, if I see a mannequin that is like dressed up exactly with, like, I'd be like, down to the shoes, I might even say, like, those are the shoes I want. Like, I'll just go and get all those things. I wish that was the way you could do it. Like, you walk in, and here's, you walk into, I don't know, you walk into J. Crew, and there's there's 15 mannequins, and I'll, I'll take number three, number seven, and number 10, and just the shirt from number 10, 11, and that's it. And then walk out. I wish it was like that, because it would take me 30 minutes 
instead of I was there for three. I was at a couple stores yesterday for like three and a half hours. Yeah, that's that's not. A, I mean, anytime that you're trying to buy something for more than an hour is not a good good experience. Yeah, it's just, and it wasn't just about the time because, like, I I did I. Well, no, said, I mean, part of it, like you said, is the, is the decision matrix part of it. It's just yeah. like, like yes, I like I like having the options, but don't. I yeah. mean, and l- let me like explore all of the options if I want to, but only sh- like initially offer me or like select out the ones that would actually be like a good purchase for me. Yeah, I'm I'm six one, light skin, blonde hair, blue eye, work in the tech industry. Uh, hand me a bag of clothes, and I will hand you money, and I'll walk out. That's the way I wish it worked. And to be fair. I probably haven't explored all the services that are available to me. I know there are a few iOS apps because I have downloaded a few of them. It was bad timing, I think, at the time. But there are a few iOS apps where you do answer a couple of questions. And I think there might even be like a video interaction with a fashion – I don't know if they called it a fashion manager or a fashion expert or something. But you literally tell them like, hey, you know – um, if I could wear a really cool Star Wars t-shirt and a good pair of jeans the rest of my life, I'd be happy. Like you could tell people those kind of things and then they would just send you clothes every month. And at the time, I think when I pulled open that iOS app, um, it wasn't a great experience, number one, but number two was I wasn't in the market to spend too much money anyway at the time. So like I had already had clothes or whatever. So Anyway, um, the stars did not align on that, but I, I, I could see myself doing that. I would love to have someone that just that I talk to, like I am with you on Skype right now. They ask me, I don't care if it's a hundred questions, and then bags of clothes show up. I would love that. Yeah, I, I think part of, um, let's say, like part of like having that is that there needs to be a company that is willing to do like quarterly or twice a year. Yeah. Rather than trying to, like, say, all right, every month we want some of your money. Because, I don't know about you, but for me, like, clothes shopping or, like, going to buy, unless, like, you know, like, I rip my jeans or something, like, I, once, twice, maybe once once a quarter, like, that I'll, I'll get something new. And, yeah. um... You're more often than me. And, and that's, I probably go know, in the fall, and I probably go in the spring, and that's it. Twice, twice a year to get something, maybe one or two things new, and um, I feel like there needs to be a company that's willing to invest in long-term customers and like build their customer audience. You know, rather than trying to say, "All right, we want every every single one of our customers, we want a small monthly bit from them." And then we'll send them boxes and boxes and boxes of new stuff. Yep. And I feel like that's the wrong approach for the industry. Yeah, it is. I don't want, and I don't want a new piece of clothing showing up at my doorstep every month. I kind of, I kind of don't mind the cadence of my current shopping exploits because of the seasonality of, of where I live. Like I would very much like to get new clothes for winter and new clothes for summer every year. I wouldn't mind that. I would, I would, besides a few pieces here and there, I would throw out everything I have every, 
you know, at the end of summer, just whatever's wore out and disgusting, throw it out, get new the next year. I, I, I'm, I pretty much do that as it is. Like my, obviously my socks and underwear and stuff, that same kind of thing. You just throw it all out, you know? Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. And I also don't shop by price, but I do when I'm shopping that way that I did yesterday. So, um, uh, I'll give you an example. If I just look at a, look around a store, I don't care what prices are. I just want to get what I want and I leave. And I obviously don't. The kind of store that I go into doesn't have like a nine hundred dollars shirt sitting on the rack, so I know I'm not going to get in too much trouble. But um, but yesterday, because I had, I think I picked a forty six dollars shirt. It was probably on sale too. I picked a forty six dollars shirt off the rack, tried it on, didn't quite whatever, walked over, it didn't quite fit the way I wanted it, it didn't quite hang on me the way I wanted it to, so I walked over and tried to find another one, and right next to it was a completely different one, and so I picked it up, and that one fit much better, it was a similar style shirt, but two different colors and stuff, and so I looked at the price of the one, and it was like $19, right, and I didn't know the difference, because I just tried it on, I didn't I didn't right. shop by price, I didn't, I, and it didn't feel like $19.46 when I was trying the two, I'm sure that the you know, the quality of the product was different, I'm sure of it, or at least the name. Um, but I ended up getting two shirts for the price of that other one um, just because I looked at the price. So, I'm, But I'm not one to shop by price. If I had someone just literally handing me stuff, I wouldn't care how much they were, relatively speaking. Like, I, yeah, I, I can't – I'm not independently wealthy where I can afford somebody to yes. say, here's a, yeah, heh, here's a $100 T-shirt or something, you know, but um, – but the di- the difference between me spending a hundred and fifty dollars or five hundred dollars isn't too big of a deal to me. Like if I get what I want, I don't care. Right. And I, I think like combining those two things a lot would allow somebody to have a like a seasonal, whether it's you know twice a year or three times a year or four times a year, depending on how seasonal your area is. Um, yeah. You know, have a, a seasonal box show up, and 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 it may even be like a like a two two silos of, of the same company. And one company is the company that sells you all these new clothes, and the other one is like a like a secondhand clothes market where they you know where you can like click around and like like Pinterest through everybody's used clothes that they they've boxed up and sent back to this company. And said, um, "I'm done with these. I'll, I'll take a twenty percent cut if you sell them and ship them. You know, like you deal with these clothes. You can have them back, and if if we sell them, we'll give you twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of thing. And you know, whatever the number is, like that. You know, it gets rid of your old clothes. You know that they're going to somebody else, and." And maybe part of that is like a you know some sort of a humble bundle kind of thing where you can have a slider of how much do you want to go to charity and for these these clothes um, mm-hmm. and um, and that way you know you get a box of new clothes every quarter and uh, you know or three or two times a year and then all your old clothes go to you know somewhere that people are actually going to buy them and you can make a little bit of cash that way but you know also charity you know, do you have any something like that do you have any yeah, I think we should start the business. <laughs> do you uh, do you have any shopping tips that you like to employ? Um, that the you know the one that you said is 
it's basically the crucial thing is get get your measurements and like know your measurements. Mm-hmm. You know, like and then only shop or like shop at places that actually have it by <laughs> by measurements. If it's like here's a medium and it could be yeah. anywhere from a fourteen to a sixteen neck, you're like, hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> don't know yeah definitely definitely write down your measurements and then i i would also advise you that if you know that you like this year i lost some weight um if you if you know that you lost some weight go do it again obvious that's that seems like an obvious thing but um but definitely do that like because then you'll go buy some stuff and it, you know or try it on and you'll be all right but like yesterday because i hadn't shopped in a year or more um, and I knew I had lost weight. I literally tried everything on, even t-shirts that I bought, I tried on and I'm very happy that I did because I had to get different t-shirts, um, different t-shirts than, than the numbers that I had written down for myself from a previous time. So just, yeah, write down the numbers, but then double check. Um, my other tip is this, um, with things that you really like, so Let's say you go shopping and you pick up a pair of jeans, a pair of sneakers, and uh, a t-shirt and a hoodie or something like that. So you get a nice little outfit. You come home and you wear it for a couple weeks or whatever, and you really like it. I mean, you're like, man, these are the best jeans I ever had. Or uh, this hoodie is so stinking comfortable. I'm telling all my friends about it. You got to have this brand, whatever. Uh, Go back and buy another one Um, because – it might be worth it unless it's a fashion thing and you just want to have, you know, that color for that time of year or whatever. But if you really like something, buy two of them. I do the same thing with basketball shoes. I buy two pairs of basketball shoes every single time I shop for basketball shoes. Cause it takes me, well, I'm not playing basketball as much right now because of the weather, but when, when it's summertime, um, I go through shoes, uh, basketball sneakers in six months. So that way I don't have to, go as quickly again, but, uh, but also I buy like, I don't buy the brand new ones. Like I, I know I don't even look at the wall. Like, so if you go into like a sneaker store, there's the wall and then there's like the rack and the wall is like the latest Kobe Bryant, you know, basketball sneakers, which are $210 or whatever. And then there's the rack, which is like last year's models, which is around $80. I always shop there. I don't care. I don't care what the latest sneaker is. You know, I care what I care what I can afford, but I can get two of those for the price of one of the brand new ones, and they're, they're the exact same thing. They're basketball sneakers, you know. Who cares? Um, uh, I'm not doing it for fashion when it comes to my basketball sneakers, which I, I, I get it. Some people are buying the, the latest Lebrons because it's a fashion thing. I get that. So, you know, they're, and you're probably not even playing basketball in those. To be I'd honest. say, like, even if you like, if you find something and it's like it is just like a fashion thing, or whether it's not, yeah. I would say if you really like it. Go back and buy another one, or, you know, if it's still there, you know, the next season or whenever you go back, buy two and and rotate. Like, yeah. Well, I rotate one, basketball once a, once, a week, once, once a week, once a week. So that way, you know, that way you, um, like, basically your, your, your shoes last longer, your clothes last longer when you're, you know, when you're not using them 24-7. And yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm almost an exclusive, uh, Puma shoes. Um, those, yes. those, those, that's my brand that I, I love. It fits me perfect. 
um, mm-hmm. except for running. Um, but whenever, yeah. whenever I buy, you know, a pair of uh, Pumas at the outlet, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm buying two pairs and, mm-hmm. and rotating them are they, color-wise. Are they the exact same pair, or usually the different colors or something? Um, the past two times, it's been just the same color. Yeah. Each each time I go, they'll, they'll, they won't have the same, the same color because they rotate them out, I don't know, seasonally or whatever. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get basically, you know, two boxes. I'll be like, hey... Yeah, you know, you got the eight and a half and a nine. Can I get two eight and a half? So, like, you want two pairs of the same shoe? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I do the exact same thing, obviously, with basketball shoes. And then, uh, so I'll, I'll also wear my, like, after I wear my basketball shoes in playing indoor, because indoor doesn't wear them down nearly as quickly um, as asphalt does. Yeah. And just being outside in general, but... Um, asphalt really wears sneakers down quick. Um, and the summertime, like if I'm playing on asphalt, it's generally summertime, so I'm even, it's even hotter and all that stuff. So long story short is that I use my junkier pair outside and my nicer pair inside, and that makes them last even longer. Um, okay, so anybody listening to this, if they were looking for a business idea, I would say, you know, I'll be buy customer. me, <laughs> yeah. Buy me clothes in the fall, in the you know, in the middle fall, uh, and buy me clothes in the middle spring, and and uh, f- the fall purchase is going to be for because it, here it doesn't get to be like in in January and February once in a while it'll dip into like the negative teens Fahrenheit once in a while like it'll get to like negative fifteen once or twice for like a five or six day period and then it comes back out of it like it swings right back out of it so. It does get stupid cold. I mean, that, that's very cold. But it's not like it stays there for months at a time. So we just layer here. So my fall, late fall clothes are pretty much my winter clothes. I just wear more of them, and I throw a winter jacket over them when I'm outside driving from point A to point B. You know, And then you obviously have your, your winter gear, like snow pants and shoes and stuff. But that's not something that you buy. Like, you buy those once every 10 years. Um, so, so I don't need like summer, spring, winter, and fall clothes. I just need cold and warm. Yeah, and I, th- I think at the beginning of it, you definitely need like a an in I don't know in person or video consultation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think questions cut it. I think somebody has to see you like mm-hmm. in motion. I, I don't. Well, maybe a picture would do, but like. Nobody has like an up to date picture of themselves. Like I think yeah. I think you have to do like an in person or a video consultation and just like, hey, th- this is me right now. This is my body type. This is, um, you know, this is this is what I wear normally. But you know, wh- whether you want to step up your fashion game or you know, like you said, you just want to wear a Star Wars T shirt and a pair of jeans. <laughs> Um, Which is what I wear sometimes. You know, if if that's I, I if that's your full, getting, I go full I go full Zuckerberg on it. You know, you know, then then they need to know that. But you know, I, I don't think you know answering a few you know radio button questions is gonna gonna cut no. it. No, not at all. So yeah, it was, it was frustrating, but at least I'm done now. Like I feel like I'm. Well, I, I might need. So here's the other thing, though. I went to the store and and they gave me 
like because of the amount of money that I spent there, they give you like money to use again there. And I'm just like, ugh, like now I have to go back. Like in a certain amount of time. Like they gave me eighty dollars to use. Like I can't not use it. I gotta go back and use it. Um so I'll go back. I'll, I'll go back and buy maybe if I like anything that I got, I'll use that eighty dollars to purchase another another set of it. But um okay, last topic is uh, and and this is one that you threw on top of the pile uh, at the end of the day here is or or just prior to recording is uh, let me pull it up here Stranger Things you wanted to talk about how people are starting to or seemingly that people are into period pieces a lot more again well, I, and I don't know if this is um, just me paying more attention and I think period, I think that I think that might be what it is period pieces have always been popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like, you know, I, I've only been alive for <laughs> almost 30 years now, but, um, a lot of the filmmakers today and for the past 10 years have really been focused on 67 and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's been like, you know, 1800s period pieces, but like, and World War II period pieces. But it, I want to say, like, there's very few, um, and it may, it may be just because there aren't defining styles or looks for other eras. Yeah. But uh, I want to say, like, the obsession with the 1980s and, like, Bringing back, like, oh, let's, we're going to do a remake of these 1980 movies. We're going to do um, a, like, Stranger Things is, you can call it, like, a, a love letter to Steven Spielberg. And mm-hmm. um, in the 1980s, in the 1980s film. And yep. um, whether it was Spielberg or not. But, and and not all of these things are successful, mind you. There's, yep. there's people just, like, saying, all right, there's all these things that, in our view, were culturally significant or popular or not, and we're just going to mine them for ideas. And well, here's the thing: is obviously, as a child of the '80s myself, is if when you watch Stranger Things, you know, every single thing resonates. I think that's it, there's a, obviously the guys that made it had a lot to do with that, but them choosing that particular era, but. It's like when you watch something that resonates with you like that, like, oh, I see this game or this thing mentioned or this, you know, piece of pop culture mentioned or the music alone, you know, uh, that just, it's just one more reason to watch that movie. I don't, or excuse me, that, that, that series on Netflix. I don't think, I don't think that alone is what made her braid broke, broke the popularity of it. I think the premise of it was also pretty good, but the combining like so, so that premise could have been modern day and still worked pretty good. You could have had a, like a somewhat inept sheriff that is drinking too hard because he's had a hard life and blah 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, this case comes out of nowhere and he's got to get to the bottom of it. It could have been this. It could have been you know 2016. But the fact that you layer in the nostalgia and the quirkiness of that time period and just the way people were dressed made it visually interesting to watch. I think that period pieces, um, I remember an interesting quote that came from James Cameron 
when he pitched Titanic was he said when he went went into uh, I forget who carried Titanic at the time I don't know if it was 20th Century Fox or what I have no idea but so he went in and he 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 brought in a model of the Titanic and he put it down this is what he says he did who knows how the real thing went but he put the Titanic down and he said I want to make a movie and it'll be Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic when it goes down so how much more succinct can a pitch get than Romeo and Juliet? Everybody gets it. You know, uh, two people that fall in love that class of cl- that their classes do not allow them to be together. And he wants the setting to be on one of the worst disasters in the 20th century. So with this movie of you said, I want this girl named Eleven that has, you know, these powers to... You know, these kids are blah, 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 and the sheriff, the whole thing I just said about Stranger Things, and if you have seen it, you know, then you know what I'm talking about. Then if you just said that, that'd be one thing. Be like, okay, cool. So so how do you make it, you know, what's the hook? What's the, you know, the hook is the fact that it's visually interesting that somebody has waved hair and somebody's wearing stone machines that are rolled up with tube socks and so on and so forth. Those were, that makes it visually interesting, especially to people that are 35 like me, or 36 now. Right. Um, and and I, I think... So for for me, I feel like people go and continue to go back to, um, you know, 60s, 70s, and 80s because, one, one, because of the audience and like, hey, we can mine their childhood and, you know, basically selling nostalgia. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like part of that is, okay, there is a ton of culturally, you know, visually interesting things that you can work with. And I don't know that that's true about today. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like maybe we're in a period of time where people won't make period pieces for. Well, the 2000s, there was a few things in the 2000s. Um, The 90s, we haven't seen a ton yet, but we we will. Um, We did see a couple things. I think last year... An Oscar was given away to a story about the beginning of the uh, Ice Cubes thing. Yeah, NWA. NWA, yeah, thank you. Um, I think there was an Oscar given away for a movie about that. And I think we're going to see a lot more 90s movies. And late 90s gets into, like, the M&Ms of the world and Jay-Z and so forth. So, you know, I think there's probably going to be something something there. I, I think the only time that you can see when something was truly, like, a shift is when you look back at it. You can't see it when it's you we're too close to it. You know, well, I mean, like for example, like even when I was growing up in like the you know, middle school, high school, yeah. um, you know, like late nineties, early two thousands, people were already mm-hmm. making fun of the eighties and like talking about yeah. like it, it had a distinct. And there was, you know, multiple distinct visual styles and music, and you know, I I grew up listening to a an eighties radio station, like yeah, um, there there isn't a you know hits from the two thousands radio station. There there probably is if you have like a satellite dish or something. Well, that's probably true, but I mean, like it's it's so not. 
I, I well, feel like I there. I I can't identify, and maybe it's because I'm too close to it, like you said. Yeah, but yeah, but there's definitely things we're gonna make fun of. Think about this. Um, we're definitely gonna make fun of Twitter. Not too long from now, <laughs> we're already doing it. We're definitely going to make fun of um, the fact that we used. To, I mean, we we it's sort of becoming slightly of a joke already that we used to buy iPods. You know, we used to buy devices that that played just music and did not make a phone call or didn't get on Twitter or Facebook. Um, Facebook alone is going to have, you know, it has already had its moment and it's now a cultural icon. Um, the, uh, the, the This election probably will go down in the lexicon in some ways. Um, there was something else, too, that, that struck think, me. That Do you think that we might need, like, a some other technology shift? Uh, or improvement, or you know whether VR well, takes off huge, or yeah. AR takes off huge, or self-driving cars. Like, like I feel like each what you could technology-wise, you can splice those previous eras pretty well. Um, yeah. And well, things move quicker, so the time period that they're around are shorter. So, so to give you an example, the the we all like point back to like, Oh, do you remember people had Walkman, you know, like the, like the Sony Walkman, the Sony Walkman only sold like 250,000 things. Right. And Apple sells 42 million iPhones a quarter. Yeah. So to put it in perspective, the, the, we are going to be talking about the iPhone, uh, far more than we ever did the Walkman. And the Walkman was like, the jam, you know what I mean? So I, I think that, you know, if you look in the 2030s, the 2040s, the 2050s, we're going to be talking about back um, when everybody I, had these touchscreen phones that they were so obsessed with. Like, yeah, exactly. We're going to be definitely talking about that. We're going to definitely be talking about social networking. Uh, we're definitely going to be talking about um, the, the, the emergence of self-driving cars. I think there's probably going to be self-driving cars by then, but one hundred percent there is. But um, but the fact that we were like scared of it, <laughs> the fact that people thought it was interesting, or that it was, they were scared of it, or that there was a Tesla that that quote unquote only drove out of your like. Do you remember when cars only drove out of your garage? Like or or it may be the joke may be. Do you remember when people owned cars? To be honest with you, if if the vision of some of these founders does become real the 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 thing that we make fun of may be the fact that anybody owned them at one point um if vr and ar turns into what it could particularly ar which is pretty much saying you know get rid of the device that's what ar ends up doing get rid of all devices um the fact that we own iphones and and computers and televisions and all that stuff could be imagine imagine 25 30 years from now if no one owns a computer or a cell phone or a TV and it's just because everybody either has glasses on or we have contacts or whatever the case might be by then um, and all of our interfaces are virtual, um, then yes, we're going to look like idiots. For sure. Like we're all going to look dumb for like – so- I'll tell you what. All my blog posts are going to be ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, at that point, if we're like saying like, why was he complaining about anything whatsoever when when ten years down the road uh, t- the devices were completely irrelevant? 
Like I'm worried about whether I'm going to buy a surface on the tenth. Like I'm I'm hoping that time slows down because the tenth is when the surface comes out. And it's going to be the seventh tomorrow. So like sometime this week, I may go buy a surface, and I don't really want to, but I want to really bad. I'm like going back and forth like crazy on this right now, and there might be a chance that ten years from now, the turmoil that I have right now will be absolutely not worth it because I could have just went to VR. <laughs> So yeah, and men will be on men will be on Mars. Men and women will be on Mars, uh, either dead or alive. And but they will be there. They'll be dead or alive on Mars by that point, because um, they're not coming back. The first couple trips, they're not coming back. Um, and who knows where else? You know, we might might figure out a new ion drive or some kind of crazy thing by then, and somebody's you know orbiting Jupiter or something like that by that point. Um, so. Uh, yeah, we're going to be making fun of a lot. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, we're six years of it, out of the 2000s. Part, part of it, I don't know, for me is, is like, and it may require that technology shift before the 2000s, the, I don't say like this, the continue of this, the touchscreen era, we can call it. Like the touchscreen era versus like, like go phones or whatever. Um, you know, but like basically there's like the cell phone era and then the touchscreen era. And, um, I, I feel like in terms of visual style, like modern, like present day stuff is not visually interesting or as visually interesting as what's come before. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it might take that technology shift to like say, Oh, Hey, like, now everything is done. Everything, all the clothes we wear, everything we do is all chrome now. And so suddenly, everybody, you know, wearing these dumb cloth-based organics are are is absolutely fascinating. Why would everybody? Why would anybody want to wear these things? Exactly. I mean, like you said, like have no idea where where technology will take things, and it does move very, very fast. I mean, I'm excited. I, I hope I live. There's a few things that I hope I live to see. Obviously, I can get hit by a bus tomorrow, but I'm talking about like just longevity wise. Um, I hope I live to see like not only somebody standing on Mars, but like I really hope that they get over this crap of like sending one megapixel freaking uh, black and white cameras everywhere up there. Like, let's start seeing uh, full-res HD whatever. Like, let's start sending some real cameras up into space, too. I, I would prefer that. Like, even the stuff of Pluto that came back, which is extraordinary photos of Pluto. Um, I'm still waiting for Juno to send something of quality back from Jupiter, but... Uh, and I and I think that's coming, but uh, well, like send send up like the best camera in the world, you know what I mean? But when when they get off on Mars, when the first woman, I hope it's a woman, I hope the first person that steps off onto Mars is a woman. But if if it is, I want it to be in HD. I want it to be like like as if it was a like spend a billion dollars if you have to, just make it in HD. Yeah, it's I don't know. I I, under, I understand why. Like, the camera is like, oh, hey, we have, like, an extra 10, you know, 10 kilos, let's throw in a camera. Because, like, the, the main goal for, you know, the Juno and other missions is not the camera. Like, 
hey, it's yeah, nice I, to get a pretty picture, but that's not their mission. <laughs> and that's, pretty, like, pictures, pretty pictures are what people then don't mind uh, letting their taxes go to that. Yeah, but I, I do think that that you know we're at that point where we can do both. Like we, we can, yeah, you know, absolutely should be sending you know the best cameras, the best you know video, you know the whole the whole thing. There's mm-hmm. there's no reason not to now for projects designed today. We should be using today's technology, not. And yeah. I understand that this is stuff that's getting launched or was launched, you know, that just reached Jupiter was designed 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. And that's fine. Like, but I think yeah. everything going forward should absolutely, you know, in HD, highest quality, the, the best we can do, we should be, we should be doing. And because of that, you know, technology speeding up, um, that's one of the things that I'm very, very excited about. Like, like getting the launch cadence and having rockets go up regularly will just boost how fast, like, you know, I think one of the satellite providers that's on, well, they, they're on all of the launch providers, but the mm-hmm. they're talking about not making um, basically long-term satellites. They're talking about, like, basically replaceable satellites. Oh, well, well we yeah. want to replace these satellites once every two or three years rather than having, like, oh, we're going to have this satellite yeah. in the air for 30 yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, and also to your point of like worrying about every gram that's on one of these, you know, missions to Saturn or something. Um, at some point, if the cost comes down so much where both, you know, Bezos's crew and Musk's crew can can bring stuff to space and attach it there before you go off to Saturn, then it won't really matter. You can put a, a, a one million pound camera on it if you wanted to, because once it's all in space, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and then the like the cost of the cost of the launch will be so little that you'll be like, oh well, we'll just do this in five parts, or yeah, or we'll we'll launch this and we'll we'll launch five satellites that go to go to Jupiter, and each one will have a specific mission. Um, you know, and and it won't it won't cost it'll cost less than we'll be doing one today, so. I'm, I don't know. I'm very, very excited about the future of um, people's robots and people in space. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good chat this week. Absolutely. Um, what is your feature of the week? Do you have one? Uh, I, I don't really. Uh, I've, I'm going to say it's the thing that I've been enjoying or liking the most is... Um, Twitter's notification systems. Just like, basically Twitter itself, but like the, like the at reply and the direct message, being able to do that just straight from the tweet box. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't, sure, you know, you're using the person's handle, you can have multiple handles, and if you want to send somebody a direct message, you just put a D in front of it. Like, it's... I... I'm going to be sad when Twitter's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that's funny that you just said that, because 
um, I have a blog post that's being published tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. on cedarboo.com, uh, is tomorrow is my, wait, let's see. Yeah, tomorrow is my 10th Twitterversary, and so I'll have a blog post going up about being on Twitter for 10 years. Um, and in the, at the end of it, I'll be like, yeah, I, I did say, I'm like, I'm sad that Twitter, because Twitter's going to die. It's going to die. But I'm sad about it. Um, okay, my feature. Um, I have two really quick ones. I have um, hide others on the Mac if you don't use this. I'm sure Windows has something. I don't know what they call it, but I'm sure they have something like this. But let's say that I have like nine windows open of different applications. I can select um, the the menu for the application and then go to hide others, which I think is command shift H and it will literally hide minimize doesn't minimize. There's a little difference in Mac where you can hide an application, not minimize it where I can hide all the other apps and only have that one. So if I really want to get something done in a, a spreadsheet or, you know, my browser window or this, this Skype chat that I have with Danny going here, um, I can just hit hide others and everything else goes away. And then I can bring them all back if I want, but I can hit hide others. I'm sure Windows has something. I just don't know what it's called. What is it called on Windows? Do you know? Um, I don't know. I know that the feature exists somewhere because the, it's like the default behavior when you're switching apps is like, for example, if I go to Vivaldi and I just open it up and I've, I'm close to having a full screen, it'll it'll just full it'll just auto select that and deselect everything else. And I don't know why it does that. I have to like I'm still learning learning this new Windows 10 thing here, but well, what do you mean by so what do you mean? So explain it to me. So so Vivaldi's not open. You've got Skype and a note taker open or a browser or something, and then you open up Vivaldi, and so, then what happens? Um, I'm trying to get it to do it. <laughs> because with Hide Others, what it does is literally all the other application windows except for the one that you selected is like they're they they're gone. The application doesn't quit. It's not closed. Right. It's, it's just they're all gone. There's I, I'm gonna have to look at the the Windows settings, but there's there's some Windows behavior where if you you know you're switching to a application window, it will bring that application window to the front and either hide or minimize everything else. Yeah. So, I'm, but it doesn't it doesn't full screen the app, right? No, it's just it just like grabs that window. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into see how I can tie that to a uh, command key because I do love that feature. Hide all others, hide mm-hmm. others on uh, OS X. So, yeah, the other one is also an uh, I don't know I don't remember seeing this in other versions of Mac OS, but it might be. Did I mention this last time? Where, like, if I drag a window, it catches the other side of a window. So, like, if like I have Simple Note open. Simple Note is an application that I use to take notes. Um, another blog post coming this week on cedar.com. I wrote about how I use Simple Note. But if I drag the window, like if I'm moving the window from the right side of my screen to the left and Skype is behind it, it will stop at the edge of Skype unless I continue to drag and then it brings it over it. So they kind of like snap to each other's sides 
Um, just, it's it's very subtle. It's not something that would be annoying whatsoever. And if I continue drag, it goes right over it. But it just it's kind of like if you're on a skateboard and you switch between two, like a concrete and a pavement or something. There's yeah. like just enough little, yeah. Is is that new? I don't know. I never noticed it before in my life, and I've been using Mac for so that might be years. A, a new uh, secret feature that they added in 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 the uh, yeah. what is it ten point eleven or twelve now? Yeah, it may be because I I certainly have never noticed it, and now I notice it all the time. I actually like I play with it all the time, you know, to see how it reacts to different things. I know yeah. they they left a ton of the uh, Windows RT kind of. Uh, Snap features in Windows 10, um, mm-hmm. but I, I have not taken advantage or tried to use any of those because I'm I'm using Windows 10 on a 27-inch screen. It's not a touch screen, and a lot of those features are you know geared towards and built for touch screen devices. So you know what? Now that I'm saying this, and I'm playing with it a little bit more just to be 100% sure because people might be doing the same thing. I think it might be a Skype function. Huh. Like, it's only doing this on a Skype window, not on any other windows. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because I have a... Oh, no, now it's doing it with Finder. Weird. There's, I gotta, I'll have to play with it a little bit. But I, I, I it kind of makes sense. Like, I have a video going with you, so maybe... Skype would say, hey, let's not cover the face up, you know. Um, anyway, I'm going to play with it a little bit more, but that's a, that's my feature this week is the hide others, which is huge for productivity and snapping windows together. Windows does have a feature I wish I wish I had out of the box, and Mac doesn't have it out of the box unless you like pay for a $30 utility, which is I would like to just quickly click a button and have – the application split into two windows, like have a browser on one side, code on the other. There is a way to do it with, um, I forget what it's called, dashboard or whatever the heck they call this thing, mission control or some crap. Um, and I don't know how to do it right now, but there is a way to do it. But you, but it's 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 harder than what I've seen is on Windows. Do you know how to do that? Um, yeah, for Windows, that, that's kind of like what I was... As describing as those snap features, like I could just drag Skype to one side and it like auto half screens it, and then if I you know drag the like dragging to the top is like full screen it, but to the right is half screen, and so you could do both of those, whether it was Skype or a notes window or a browser and whatever this is, Sublime Text and. I feel like operating systems are so uh, there's so many features that they build in and they have mm-hmm. to have because you know somebody needs it you know, within internally and so then um, there's so many features that even in their you know two or three hour presentation about oh here's all our new features and even in like it might just get one little line to say okay oh, here, here's this this new thing that we spent you know, hundreds of millions of dollars developing. <laughs> I, um, I did figure out how to do this. Okay, so if I, 
I think you have to turn this on, but if I tap with two fingers on my mouse, it brings up Mission Control. If I put my mouse to the top of the screen, it shows you your desktops, I think is what they call them. And then you can drag... It's weird, but it's it's... There's no way a normal will ever figure that out. No way. They should make it a button. But yeah. there is a way to do it. Well, it's been a good chat, man. I think we actually hit our stride on this episode, to be honest with you. If I, if I look back at the episode, I'm going to listen to it again. But I think we kind of, you know, we hit our stride. Yep. It was a solid, solid uh, conversation here. Um, and I will to catch you another time.